Pastor John talked about presence of God calming you and all. So I think God's got something great for you guys because I've never been this nervous before. <laughs> um, I also want to give a shout out to the administrators, the Shalice on the PowerPoint, the sound table. Um, they're just phenomenal. They get all this stuff ready for us before. Um, they do it last minute. I got Shalice the notes on Friday. She edited videos, she got everything ready. Um, the, the people behind the scenes are wonderful. Um, okay, let's start with prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning, thank you for this time, thank you for your presence here. I thank you, Lord, that you are breathing on this congregation. I just feel that as the Lion of Judah, you are prowling up and down these, these aisles and just breathing on people now. Thank you, Lord, that you have great and powerful destinies for every person in this congregation, and we just want to release them today to do what you're calling them to do. Guide and direct my words, Lord. Let them go deep into the hearts of the people, the words that you want to touch their hearts in Jesus' name. So the theme is being set apart for a holy God. Um, how many of you have enjoyed the prayer and fasting? If not the fasting, the feelings of closeness to God. Uh, it's it's first time I've had been in this church that we've done it once a week for five weeks. It, always before it was three days or five days. And this is a new experience. And um, it's kind of consecrated the whole month of January to God. Um, first scripture is Psalms, excuse me, Psalms form three. Is, is that up? Okay. Uh, but know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. How many of you feel insignificant, insecure? Yeah, God's going to listen to that person or that person or Pastor John, but I'm just insignificant. And I think that's a spirit over the people of Hawaii. And God wants to break that. You are important. You are significant. You have a destiny. You were created with a divine destiny in your mother's womb. And he has set you apart for that destiny. So it's a matter of us breaking out, refusing to believe the lies of the enemy, coming forward. And this was not in my notes. This is God. Break out, people. Do everything God's calling you to do. Don't be afraid of trying something new. Reach out for it. God is holy. He's perfect. He's all-knowing, and he's loving. And we are invited into his presence. His presence will strengthen us. His presence will fill us with his strength. It won't be on our own strength. It'll be on the strength of the almighty, all-powerful, all-creative God. The God who created everything seen and unseen. That power is in us when we've given our hearts to Jesus. And there's nothing impossible for him working through you. God wants us to be set apart for him. He wants us to realize that this world is transient. It seems solid. It seems forever. This table, in 25 years, this table will be thrown in the dump. But for us now, it seems like, hey, this is going to be forever. No, our life is in heaven. Our, our eternity is what matters, not what we see and hear and feel today. It's the people. The people are the only thing that are going to last forever. Are their souls going to be in heaven? Or their soul's going to be in hell. And we can be instrumental by God. God desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So let's break out of our fearful, insignificant, the little canary in the cage being, and let's be the, the people God created us to be. 
When we spend time with God, we become like him. What we see, what we envision, what we focus on is what we become. Some of you had um, horrible parents that were bitter and mean and angry. And if you focus on them, say, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to be. The more you focus on them, the more you become like it. Instead, find a mentor who was loving. Maybe a second, my second grade teacher was Mrs. Whitaker. Uh, she was so kind, so loving, so gentle. Focus on those, and we will become like that. I think I'm going to become like a sunset, because I always look at the sunsets. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. The more we look at him, the more we spend time with him, the more we can embrace his glory, he will be transforming us. It's not what we do other than determining to spend the time with him. He transforms us. And then sometimes we got to make a decision. I was at a soccer game Wednesday night, and there was a woman on the other team that had the most grating voice. It just was like fingernails on a blackboard. And she was loud, and she was persistent, and we were losing. And her team was winning, and she was just kind of rubbing it in. And I was not thinking kind and gentle thoughts towards her. And when I got home, I thought, gee, God, why didn't I stop and pray for her? Instead, I just let it get to me. And um, so we're constantly learning, constantly growing, constantly taking baby steps to become more like him. So how do we become holy? Because we serve a holy God. How do we get saved? By grace, you are saved through faith. So the second point is faith matters. Faith and prayer. Sometimes we don't see things happen right away. Sometimes it's a process. But I believe when we hold on to the promises in faith, God said it, I believe it. There's a scripture in Ephesians 2.4, 2, uh, 2, which I love. And it says, but God. And I, since I captured that about five years ago, whenever something goes wrong, I just say, but God. But God. God can change anything. He gives us the privilege of partnering with him in prayer. Jesus already accomplished it on the cross. It's not the work we do. We are letting him work through us. We are letting him change our, transform us, and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us. A couple of weeks ago, I prayed for a woman down here, and this, the concept was fairly new to me, and so I, as I prayed for her, her shoulder was really sore. And I said, God, it's not me, it's you, just flow through me. And by the end of the three to five minute prayer, she said her arm was healed, and she could go like that. He gives us the privilege of partnering with him. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us to work through our words. Words are powerful. God created everything through words. Bring to the physical world what Jesus already accomplished in the spiritual world. So I'm going to give three examples of but God. The first one is going to be a testimony, a video testimony. Now this is uh, Joe Onasai, who is Samoan, and he was a uh, member of my husband's favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. Go Cowboys. Um, and... Um, but now Joe is done with the NFL, and he's a pastor. And a few, I think it was, I'm not sure when, a few weeks ago, Pastor John sent me an email saying, please pray for Joe, he's dying. So is the video ready? 
Aloha, everybody. Pastor Joe Onosai here, and here's my story. I went to the ER feeling very ill for what I thought was a minor leg infection. The infection spread to my blood, causing sepsis, and my organs began to spiral downward. In the ER, I started having severe abdominal pain, so I was rushed to a CT. The CT scan and blood test revealed that I had a bacteria in my stomach, eating away at my stomach lining, creating a large ulcer perforation. Emergency surgery was required to remove part of my stomach and reconstruct my intestines. Performing a surgical procedure while my organs were failing from sepsis was highly risky. While recovering from surgery, I had several setbacks. I experienced septic shock, which caused my blood pressure to drop to dangerous levels. This required multiple medications and infusions to stabilize my blood pressure and vitals. A few days later, I had a second setback. My heartbeat was abnormal, so they gave me blood thinners to prevent blood clots to avoid a stroke. Unfortunately, this caused a third setback, a slow bleed in my abdomen. Things weren't looking good as my blood counts plummeted downwards, but my family continued to trust God for my healing. For four days and four nights, amongst the other setbacks, my white blood cells were still high. The infection in my blood and body was still prevalent. My kidneys were failing. My heart with its abnormal heartbeat was racing through the roof. Doctors decided to give me blood transfusion and IV hydration. Then my family and friends prayed, prayed, and prayed some more. Thankfully, after a grueling and terrifying four days of negative reports and negative labs, my body began to respond to blood transfusions and IV hydration. My organs began to slowly recover. After spending seven days in ICU, I'm just waking up after an induced coma. <laughs> A week later, the road to recovery begins. This is my first time standing in weeks. And you say, but he's a famous football player and now a pastor. He's different. Nope, we're going to go local. Um, October 6th of last year, Mark and Leigh Vickers were in Alaska when he had major chest pains. 
I asked them to give their testimony, but Leigh is a, a kids' church teacher this morning, and Mark is, is volunteering for something else. But maybe someday they'll be able to give you their own testimony, so I'm just going to touch on it. Um, he had major chest pains. The ambulance came. The EMT knew he was in cardiac failure, so they transported him to the hospital. Um, he coded in the ambulance, uh, but when he got to the hospital, they rushed him into emergency surgery. He had an angiogram with two stents opened up. He had 100% blockage of his left anterior descending something or other. They call it the widow maker. He's alive and well now. We were praying for him, praying for him. The emails going back and forth, and his parents, of course, were praying. His parents are incredible prayer warriors. And Mark is alive and well, thank God. And then in my family, my co-mother-in-law, Susie Whitney, her brother is, I think, about 78, 75, 76. Uh, in the last year, he had major problems. Um, he was rushed to the hospital three times in an ambulance. Each time, they thought he was dying. He, they put in a catheter that they told him as he started to get better. That catheter will be in forever. He had diabetes. They wanted him on insulin shots. Instead, prayer, prayer, prayer. Um, a couple of months ago, they took out the catheter, but he had to go every month to the, see the urologist. Last month, when he went to the urologist, the, even the receptionist said, this never happens. They said, you don't need to come back for a year. And they said, your office seems kind of stressed. We would covet your prayers, Steve, if you will pray for us in our office. God's answering prayers. Um, and the really great thing is you don't have to be there to lay hands on them. God is a spirit, and we can pray here for someone in Washington. We can pray for Mark and Leigh in um, Alaska, although they're back now. Um, God answers prayers. He is a spirit. He is not flesh. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When, when I was a new Christian, I used to think, I'd rather have Jesus than the Holy Spirit. Now, much older, much wiser, I think, thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, so faith matters. Don't give up praying. People didn't stop praying for Joe Onasai or Mark Vickers or Susie's brother. Don't give up until you see the victory. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you are saved, you have faith, because that's how you get faith. So God has given each one of us a measure of faith. How do we grow it? How do we build it? It's a muscle. Use it or lose it. Stand on those promises of God. Stay in the word. Read it. Memorize it. Apply it to your life. Look at the stories in the Old Testament and say, yeah, my story fits that. God did this to King David. I'm going to believe it for my life. God did this for Joseph or Saul. I'm going to believe it for my life. Surround yourself with other men and women of faith. Join a prayer pocket. When you're weak, they will grab hold of your arms and lift you up. When they're weak, you will help lift them up. And in lifting them up, you will get stronger. And just stay in prayer. The third point is you are unique and have a unique calling in prayer. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Different people have different callings or assignments. I'm an emergency prayer. You give me a list, I'm bored in five seconds, and I have a really hard time following it. My mother was a prayer warrior. She would pray lists for six months. She would keep on until she got the answer. So everybody's different. 
my personal assignment is Israel. I pray for Israel several times a day. Other people pray for um, other nations. We have Afghanistan, Myanmar, North Korea is in a mess. Um, we have Christians in North Korea that need prayer. Some people want to pray for healing and faith. Um, there's Seven Mountains um, popular um, theology is Seven Mountains of family, religion, education, media, entertainment, business, and government. What has God placed on your heart? Some pray for the campuses, for the schools, for the teachers. Some for politicians and uh, elections. Some want to pray for health and healing. And let me put in a plug here. If you want spiritual healing, join Cleansing Stream. It will really help. So join a prayer pocket. Praying with others strengthens you, encourages you, and builds you up. Can we get that slide? I saw this about a month and a half ago, and I love it. <laughs> and that's how I, this morning when I was sitting over there worshiping, my hand was shaking. I felt like a kitten. And after Pastor John gave those words of exhortation, I thought, okay, I'm a lion now. I can come out. But that's what happens in our prayer pockets. You come out lions. So the important thing is to keep praying, be a part of God's house. Isaiah 56, 7, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. If you're called to pray for Maui, that's part of the nations. If you're called to pray for Afghanistan, that's part of the nations. Whatever it is, prayer works. Prayer is powerful. And you need prayer to connect to God and be all that God wants you to be. Um, Ephesians 6.18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Pray without ceasing. So thank you, and now I'm going to pass it to Pastor Lance. Amen. That was so good. Yeah. That was awesome. Amen. You heard the saying that seven days without prayer makes one week. Okay, you missed that. <laughs> Anyway, let's start up with, uh, let's all say, uh, quote the scripture, Philippians 4, 6. This was on my heart in this area of prayer. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. Prayer is so important in our life because when you follow the example of Jesus he spent a lot of time in prayer with his father by himself. And in doing that, he knew the father's will. He, had a, he knew the father's heart, a love for people. So when you look at this scripture, it says that we are to pray by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We know that prayer is spending time with God, sharing your heart, hearing from God. What is supplication? It's connected to prayer. Supplication is basically asking. And I want to leave you with this thought about asking. Asking is believing God and his word with perseverance. And perseverance basically means to contend for God, with God in his promises. There's two areas that I wanted to share that was on my heart about contending. And I love what... Um, Robin shared about we keep praying and praying and praying. 
we need to contend or keep praying for healing in people's lives and even in our life. And that went with the video with Pastor Joe. You know, in our staff meeting, we went around sharing what God spoke to you on the message with Pastor Camille. And for me, it was when Pastor Camille, who was not a nurse, was in administration at the time, and she went to pray for somebody, a man who had died in the hospital. She prayed for that man, and he, was, he came back to life. God spoke to her to do that. And do you remember how long she prayed for that man? An hour and a half. She contended for him to be raised from the dead. If I was me, you know, Pastor John gave the comment that Pastor Camille contended for the miracle because she heard God's voice. It was for me, I would have just gone there, prayed, and say, okay, God, I prayed. Oh, that's it. <laughs> Walk away. <laughs> and say, oh, well, that's it, God. No, she was there contending for the miracle. She never gave up. So happened in our senior meeting, um, Carol Tom selected a video of a near-death experience of a lady named Joanne Moody. She died on the operating table. She met Jesus. She was in the air. And then she met Jesus, and then she went back into her body by her choice and because of people that were praying for her. She experienced the love of God. But coming out of the surgery, she still had this excruciating pain in her body. Now, the story is for 14 years, she was in pain and she had 13 operations due to a nerve damage in, her child, in the childbirth. Later, doctors wanted to do another operation. She says, God, I cannot go through this anymore. Then she heard the voice of God. God told her, you need to contend for your healing. Her journey continued after that with all the pain. And then God spoke to her to go to this conference. She never heard of anything. She went there and God healed her. God told her, you need to contend for your healing. A second area that I feel like was on my heart was we need to contend for people that don't know the Lord to receive them in the, Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's where the gift of eternal life is imparted into them. And heaven is their eternal destination. Remember... Jesus died for the world. He died for the sins of the world. He died for people, for God so loved the world. People that you cannot get along, people that irritate you, people that offended you, those people, Jesus died for too. You know, there is a, how many of us know what the mission of our church is? Shout it out. Yes. Congratulations, y'all got A. Okay. <laughs> There's one scripture in the Bible that I always, when we contend, we need to have the word of God in our hearts, in our life. And there was one scripture that was always in my heart when I became a Christian, found in Acts 16.31. It says, and they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household, with everyone in your household. The promise is there for eternal life for everyone in your family. But we have to contend for them to have Jesus in their life where they open up their hearts. That scripture had always been in my heart since I became a Christian. You know, my family that I grew up in, we had six kids, okay? Um, and we had no Christian background, 
So we were a total dysfunctional family at all. The second brother, I'm number three. My second brother and I are the closest and my youngest sister and my oldest. So my brother, uh, we had four boys and two girls. The oldest brother, my second brother one day called me and said, my first brother is in really bad shape and he's, you know, has cancer and all of this and everything and doesn't look good. So uh, I'm not that close, but I called him and I talked to him and he was telling me his life and all and he would go to the doctor and the doctor would tell him, you got three months to live. And then after three months, he would see the doctor and the doctor would look at him like, Oh, you're still here. You got three more months to live. <laughs> he would go on and on. And he would tell me the story. He said, what am I here for? He would tell me. And so I began to share to him about the Lord. And over the fo- phone, I prayed with him to receive Christ. Now, if you knew my brother, you know there's a saying where the kids used to tell, Oh, my, brother, my father is better than your father. My father can do this. Well, in my sense... My brother is worse than your brother. <laughs> Me and my friend used to go back and forth. <laughs> he was a person that was saying not in a million years. The things that he did gave my mom and dad stress. Well, we all gave my mom and dad stress, but he really gave my mom and dad stress. And he was like, to me, there was no hope. Not in a million years, I would say. And then when I met with him later, I visited him and all, and he began to tell me something about what that scarred him. He didn't tell me it scarred him, but he shared something that deeply scarred him. And I thought that was the thing that set him on a path that he went. And I know we're clandestine, we deal with those things, but there was something there. And I told him, you know, God forgives you of all your sins. And he said, oh boy, I get plenty of sins. <laughs> I said, yeah, he forgives all of them. <laughs> So anyway, as time went on, um, he, he told me that for some reason, he said, and he told his daughter the same thing, that mom and dad is waiting for me when time comes. And he would keep telling that to uh, his daughter over and over. You know, when time comes, mom and dad are going to meet me up there in heaven. Uh, and then so the time came when he passed away. Um, and then after the funeral, uh, his daughter, my niece, went to the uh, grave of my father, the urn, uh, and mom. And she was there, and she was like, "God, um, did my mom, did my father, did my father meet his mom and dad in heaven?" And she said, "All of a sudden, this wind." started blowing out of the blue, super strong. And then it stopped. And then she looked and she said, hmm, I guess he did meet mom and dad in heaven. <laughs> Can I have the worship, worship team come up? You know, when we look at our life and we know the thing, each one reach one, I believe that God has somebody in your life to reach out to this year. And it's not going to be done on your own. You need to spend time, as Robin said, in prayer. God has to give you the person and the heart for the person to love them. 
you know, when we look, we're going to take communion and you can break the tab and lift it up. We're going to take it. And I was thinking as we're going to partake of communion, that first of all, we, we should be thankful in our hearts because of what Jesus did for us. But not only that, but this thing, these elements that we have, when we look at it, we should have a thankful heart knowing that Jesus died for me. But also, Jesus died for people beyond these walls, people that don't know Christ, Him. And He should remind us, number one, of God's love for us and for those that don't know Him. So as we partake this morning, let's just partake with a thankful heart. And know that God has called you to reach one this year in 2024. So Lord, as we partake of the elements this morning as a reminder of your great love for us, we thank you for that, first of all. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and even healing of our hearts. So Lord, as we partake, let it just be a reminder that there are people also that need, that need you in this world and that you're going to use us as a vessel to touch them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake. generations calling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb and all who've gone before and all who've gone before us and all who will believe